The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Here I am with Lauren Bell, my co-host. How are you this morning? We're on voiceamericavariety.com. Hope you are here with us. We are ready to go. Uh, I'm your social worker with the microphone. I don't want to forget that. Lauren, uh, how are you this morning? I'm a little crazy, but I'm here in the nick of time. Good. So maybe you need a social worker with a microphone. I think I really could use you, one today. <laughs> you need one. Well, okay. Well, let me tell you. The guest today, this is going to be perfect, if she gets on the air. I don't know. We've had a mix-up with the phone numbers and stuff, so I really hope that we get to talk to her this morning. She's uh, just been recently on the Today Show, and she's done the whole route because she's got a new book called, <laughs> the name of the book is called, listen to this, Bad Mother. Um, and it's a Did memoir. you say bad, B-A-D? B-A-D, B-A-D, we, Bad Mother. <laughs> she's got a book, and she's called Bad Mother. She's the author of Daughter's Keeper, and... Uh, and I think I've read that, and Love and Other Impossible Pursuits, which is going to be made into a movie with Natalie Portman. I don't think you just read it. I think she's been on the show before, and we talked to her, right? Well, probably we did. You know, thousands of guests. I can't remember ever anybody, but she's... Yes, she, uh, I remember her. Yeah. I remember the book, Daughter's okay. Keeper. Well, this is her new book, and cause she had this, uh, well, what happened to her? And uh, she, I think she wrote a piece on a blog, and she said, Lauren, that she would rather be, no, she didn't say she'd rather be with her husband. What did she said something about the fact that her husband was more important than her children, which is, you know, this is not something that mothers are allowed to say. You know, it's, husbands are supposed to be secondary to their children, but she said, I want to quote this. She got the mommy mob after her, so she was on Oprah. <laughs> this is a good way to get on Oprah, I guess. She Okay, she's best known for an essay she wrote that appeared in the New York Times, this is a few years ago, in which she described her loving her husband more than her kids. Wow. So, wow. Then, so that got her, and then so the, mobby, the mommy mob got after her, and um, then she decided it was a good book. Yeah. Well, and this is a few years later. Yeah, they got after it started something. Obviously, she got it, it's it, you know lynched by this mommy mob, mob, and so she got on Oprah and had to defend herself. Um, and so, which she did. And now, yeah, so now she's written this memoir. I mean, they called her. She's been called selfish, irresponsible, unfit to raise children. She has four children. She has four. She has four, and a husband. I assume it's the same husband. We don't know, but anyway, hopefully she's you know supposed to get on and be on uh, in I don't know a few more minutes. So that's our guest for today. Hopefully, interesting. Yeah. So how are you, mommy? A little crazy, just a little crazy. Life is you know. There's always. I do believe that saying that God only gives you what you can handle. You know, I'm at the brink. I think I said yesterday, God, I'm at the brink. I can't handle much more. <laughs> See, I don't think it's God. I'm not. I'm going to be part of this 
mommy. I'm gonna not let you. It's not God. It's you. It's you not following your prescription for what you tell the rest of us to do, and we follow diligently, and it keeps our lives balanced. But well, there's things that ultimately you can't control. So it's about how do you manage the things that you can't control, you and, have ha- to leave and manage yourself them. with that. Well, you have to leave room for them. I was just had this conversation with one of my best girlfriends who's going through a divorce, and she she sort of said, not what you're saying, but she was. She said, oh, everything happens for a reason. I said, no, it doesn't. Everything doesn't happen for a reason. Some things happen randomly. There are external circumstances that happen to us that you can't predict. You know, health and all medical stuff and, you know, financial. There are a lot of things. But if you are managing well and you leave room for some of that stuff, then you're not... Who leaves room for that stuff, Catherine? Say that. What'd you say? Who leaves room for that stuff? Well, that's what, I mean, most people don't leave room for that stuff. I don't that's think we leave room for that stuff. I think that we fill our lives to the to whatever our comfort capacity is, and then something like that happens, and it's like overflow. We're right on the edge, right on, on the, the edge. edge. And it yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't work. I think it's a cultural thing. I think that we do it, we do it more and more. I think the available availability for us to do all different kinds of things is there, no matter who we are. And so we aren't able to limit ourselves. Isn't that, isn't that boundary problems? We have difficulty limiting ourselves. You know, whether you're overeating or you're doing, you know, traveling too much. <laughs> I just did something I shouldn't have done. Um, I just booked another trip I probably shouldn't have done. It's putting me on the edge because I've got a lot of other stuff to do. You know, we all have our stuff. but um, Well, we all have a place that we extend to. Yes. What, uh, what is yours? Well, it's both. It's with my time and money. I always do. I extend. I'm like, oh, yeah, we could do that. I could. And it's always like a stretch. You and <laughs> I need to get into therapy together. <laughs> I, I have that problem, too. I, oh, I can do it. I can go to this meeting. They just, I was just asked to be vice president of some board. And I, I, I'm not sure that I can do it. I'd like to do it. But I'm thinking, well, yeah. But I want to do it, and uh, well, there, the time and money are our most valuable resources. That I, te- I think that we tend to stretch, think that we have more, you know, think that oh, we can do it all, or we can have it all, or whatever it is. Well, I was, uh, you can't, and I'll you give can't. You I agree with you that. You cannot. I think it's, you know, sometimes uh, it's really important just to say what it, what, what are you talking about? And I'll tell you what I'm talking about. I have a problem. A house, you know, I have a house. And I'm primarily, I'm responsible for my house, and it's a fairly large house. You've seen my house. Uh-huh, it's a beautiful yeah. house. So stuff has, with houses, it needs painting, the roof, the... All kinds of stuff. All kinds of lawn stuff. lawn needs to be mowed. I don't, yeah, I hire somebody for that. But, but it's still something that has to be done. That's your resources. And it has to be managed. Mm-hmm. So this was my, yesterday, I was going to meetings. I was had a radio show. I was doing all this stuff. And I have the uh, I have woodpeckers who are pecking away at the sugar on my or eating my house up. But I had the same thing in Albany actually. The woodpeckers, big ones too. They'd come and peck on my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's disgusting. And they're then, eating the house is what they're doing. Yeah, and then, and, and Lawrence, but then these big bumblebees, then they the little the holes where the woodpeckers are. Oh, they, they go in there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like buzzing around, underneath my eaves. Everything's buzzing, and it's a mess, and it's going to ruin the whole house. And I had to get the guy, as my kids used to say, "Get the guy, mom." I get the guy to come up to tell me what has to be done. You have to fill in the holes, and you have to stain it and/or paint it. But before you do that, he sends you a packet full of stains and every color of. 
gray cedar that you can imagine and tells me to pick out the stain. Well, I, how could I tell what it's going to look like, right? Anyway. I oh, called, my. I called him up and said, you have to come over here, and I'll pick out three or four. You tell me when it's, what it's going to look like when it dries. So he came. I, I couldn't find. I'm, I have got pie. This is the other thing, piles of stuff. I couldn't find this book of stains, and he was going to be here in five minutes, and he had to stay. Then he had to go to a different cli- a client. So I'm running around, and I, I, I finally had to sit down and, and just get a grip. I, I, I couldn't find anything. I finally found the thing before he got there because he only could be here for 10 minutes. And it was done. But I thought, this is telling me something. This little cedar problem with the, <laughs> is telling me I need to stop. I, you know, I'm running around. I can't even find the information. Those are the little hints. So, yeah, so what's it telling you? I'm curious because I, I have my own theory on me. I, never, I don't think we ever can have anybody else's theory. That I am, before, I, I'm thinking of too many things at once while I'm doing them, so I'm very distracted, very distracted, mm. because I'm, I'm, there's too much packed into each day, each hour, uh, each activity, so that I can't just focus on one activity and then go to the next, because uh-huh. before I've finished one, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do for the next thing. And then nothing happens, because that, and then your house has, like, tons of bees and lots of holes. <laughs> And then your house is just falling down. Falling apart, literally. And I think that's such a great example of our lives because I have the same same thing but different. Um, and I do think that, yeah, the same thing but different, just a lot of all of a sudden, you know, one more thing on the, on the plate to deal with before you go away. And it's like, oh, I don't know how we're going to go away. I don't know how we're going to do that. Because, yeah, it's just one more thing. And, but I'm feeling like every person I talk to is having such, like, this kind of life going on, like chaos in the world. Chaos, ultimate, everywhere. Well, Bad communication yeah, problems, houses falling apart, just crazy stuff. Yeah. And then what happens when if the car needs, I'm not going to drive the car. I'll <laughs> leave it in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch it. <laughs> Don't touch it because, and then, of course, you're at the different end of the, the baby, the kid spectrum, but, uh, you know, I've got the grown-up kids, but uh, they call me for advice and they got stuff going on and how, you know, and all that kind of, you know, so it's like magnifies itself. It's like you just have to stop. You just, I guess you have to just take each thing that you're doing, work, play, travel, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff and just figure out in each little arena what you can cut down on. Not Yes, simplify. I, I do think there's something about simplifying. And I do think that a recession has a simplify. I truly think that this is part of the process, that it's all, it is about simplifying and cutting back to what's, what's our most valuable assets that we want to maintain, manage, and take care of, you know. I do think that that's part of what's going on. It's like the people are catching up to the recession, the recession happening, has happened for months now, and that's forcing us to simplify from a financial economic standpoint, but there's a lot of chaos that needs to be simplified. It's an attitude change. It is. You know, it hap- yeah, it happened to us. Okay, the economy tanked, but it takes time, you know, that cultural lag that they talk about in sociology, and it's true that you, if there's that's an great. attitude great. months later. A cultural lag, that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. You just nailed it, social worker with a microphone. Yeah, well, I have to live up to my reputation. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we do with a this social worker with a microphone? What do we do with a cultural lag? How do we deal with it? Well, you're, you see, you're somebody who is, you're, you know, you do this kind of thing. You're in the business, so to speak. So answer the question. Catch- we need an answer. <laughs> <laughs> what, well, you first 
number one, you have to be aware of it. First, you have to be aware. First, you have to realize that it's happening. Many people don't realize that it's happening before they absolutely collapse emotionally or physically. So, you know, listening to our show, listening to us talk, talk to your girlfriends, you know, and really be able to identify where it is that you are, as we walk in the line, that's what we're talking about. But first, you have to be aware of it. I think that, you know, if you're talking about individuals or just as a as a, uh, as a as a group, women, whatever, you have to be aware that you're doing this, first of all. How many times do you do so many things you're not even aware until somebody points it out to you? Uh, well, I think, I, t- I think I tend to be, I do think it's helpful when someone points it out because a lot of times we're not, but I think a lot of times we are too. Um, but you're saying something that I think is important. That first, we have to be aware of it. And second, we can't keep talking to our girlfriends about the same old problems because that just creates utter chaos. Well, if you do, as Maya Angelou says, and actually Albert Einstein said the same thing, and several other people of that genre, you know, if you keep doing the same thing, you get the same thing back. And I keep saying that. If you keep doing the same thing, you get the same thing back. And that's exactly. what we do. And so you have to stop. It, yeah, you can't keep doing the same thing. Sounds simple. It's not that simple. I'm Catherine Sox, Lauren Deller-Blake. You're listening to us on Voice America Variety. Dot com. Don't go away because we'll be back in a minute. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty says just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is Life, Life is Dance, broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to The Catherine Zox Show. I am Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller-Blake, and you are listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. I'm your social worker with a microphone, so uh, we have our first guest on this morning, Islet Waldman. And uh, Islet is uh, the author of it's her memoir called Bad Mother, which is a chronicle of m- maternal crimes, minor calamities, and occasional moments of grace. It's described as hilarious, heartbreaking, provocative, and poignant. Bad Mother is a motherhood book like no other. It finally addresses every mother's ongoing, ultimately unanswerable, so true, and insane, making questions, am I about... Am I about to make yet another irreparable mistake that will damage the kids for life? So true. Um, Islet, you've been on the Today Show. You've written for the New York Times, Elle Magazine, Vogue Magazine, and uh, lots of other magazines. How are you this morning? I am very well. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. Great to have you on. We're always talking about mothering. This is one of the main topics of the show, anyway, because we have lots of ladies listening. So... Bad mother. What is a bad mother? I mean, uh, uh, I guess a few years ago you said something about, uh, I'll let you explain it. Well, yeah, a few years ago um, I wrote in a piece in the New York Times that I I was trying to figure out why so many of the women that I knew were, um, had no more intimate relationship left with their husbands and why I still did and what was the difference between me and men, me and those women who were all such good mothers and I drew the conclusion that it was because those moms, when they, as soon as they had kids, they kind of replaced their husbands with their children as the objects of their passion. And I wrote that if a good mother is a mother who loves her children more than anybody else in the world, well, then I'm a bad mother because I love my husband more than my children. And you would have thought I had actually said, I'm going to take my children up to the top of the Empire State Building and drop them off one by one to the streets below. The world kind of exploded around me. All right, so here you get a barrage of I guess, Oh, yeah. Sponsors. Star Jones on The View took off after me, that paragon of motherhood. Oh, oops, she doesn't have any children. Um, you know, friends were calling me. My, my favorite moment came when some friend called me from Chicago, and I live in California, and she whispers into the phone, I'm sitting in a Starbucks, and the women at the next table are tearing you to shreds. And it just kind of got crazier and crazier from there until I ended up on Oprah defending myself. <laughs> yep. But you know what? Oprah was on my side, which I like to say is like having the United States nuclear arsenal on your side. Mm-hmm. Really, if you go into a firefight, that's what you want. Yeah. So well, Oprah was on your side. What did she say? Oprah doesn't have kids either. No, but Oprah, what Oprah had said, and the reason that I actually went on the show, um, was because Oprah said that she had diagnosed in her audience. You know, her audience is mostly women who are home, um, almost all mothers. And she said she had diagnosed what she called this slow burn this kind of simmering discontent. And, um, and she thought that what I was writing about was part of that. And I really do think it's true. I think we have, there's so much pressure on mothers nowadays and so much pressure that we put on ourselves and that we put on each other that um, a lot of women are just, they're angry and they're resentful and they're unhappy on some basic level. And I'm sure there are moms who are completely fulfilled, really who are absolutely find every moment of being home with their kids or, you know, rushing home from work in order to, you know, make dinner and do homework and do all the things that we demand of ourselves, incredibly satisfying. But there are also a lot of women who sort of feel like, wait a minute, you know, 
this isn't everything that I dreamed, and I'm not doing this right, and I'm I'm making terrible mistakes, and they we spend a lot of times beating ourselves up and feeling upset about it. Yeah, well, we talk about that's what I I get this feeling that we are our own worst enemies in a way, we're, aren't we? I mean, we're absolutely, the ones absolutely, absolutely. You know, I always blame it, but like, I'll address this also, Alan, because we tend to blame the men, we blame everybody else, but we really don't take a look at ourselves. We're the ones who are are. As I say, we are our own worst enemies. You know, I think, you know, there's this, I always say there's like this bad mother SWAT team ready to, you know, attack as soon as you make even the slightest error. Oh, my goodness, is there partially hydrogenated vegetable oil in those goldfish? Boom, they're on top of you. And, I, you know, I've never met a man who's a member of that bad mother SWAT team. I mean, the, the most strident criticism always comes from women. Yeah, men usually will look at their wives or their partners, Islet, and say, oh, she's such a good mother, even right. if she's... Or she's not a good fine, or, you know, that, you know, there's this old saying that they always said to men is the, the most important thing a man can do for his children is love their mother. And I think that's really true. But then the opposite, if you ever said that, the most important thing a, a woman can do for her children is love their father. I mean, you know, people would bat you around the head with large mallets. Yeah. So the definition of let's talk about the difference between bad mother, good Good mother, good dad. I mean, right. what, you know, what's right, the so definition? I did this very scientific sampling. I asked all my girlfriends. But I have a lot of friends, so it was a fairly good cross-section. And I said, okay, what's a good mother? And they came up with the most insane examples. Basically, you know, a good mother always serves fruit at breakfast. She's always cheerful and never yells. She's an active community volunteer. <laughs> she, her children's clothes always match. It was, like some, it was like Mary Poppins on steroids, but she doesn't get paid, and she never leaves with her little umbrella. And when I asked what, what makes a good father... Basically, one thing. He has to show up occasionally when it's convenient. And, you know, if he changed a diaper or two, that would be great. I mean, the bar is so low. I remember once my husband was standing in a cafe. He was wearing the baby in a baby bjorn, and he's getting a latte. Okay, that's what he's doing. He's getting a latte. He's not performing some kind of paternal miracle. What he, what he th- was he thinking about the baby? No. He was thinking about how many shots could conveniently fit in a tall size, you know? And, um, <laughs> and some woman taps him on the shoulder, and she says, Oh, you are such a good dad. And I thought, you know, what would it take for a stranger to tell me I was a good mother? <laughs> it would take me, basically, and I, I really think I have it. I would have to perform an, immediate, an emergency tracheotomy on a choking baby, change another baby's diaper with the other hand, and help the older kid with her algebra homework. And if I was doing all those simultaneously in public, someone might sort of casually say, hey, good job, Mom. But anything less than that, forget it. Yeah, because the bar is set so high. You know? So high, right. Yeah, and we, we set the bar so high for ourselves. I think another thing, and maybe I have more, or maybe I have a different perspective because your children are younger, and so Lauren's as well. She is a three-year-old. One of the things I think that we set ourselves up for is there's only one way to be a good mother. And when you're at my stage of the game and the kids have grown up and they've all gone to college and they've all graduated, and I'm talking about and gone to graduate school, and I have a whole slew of friends as well, and what we've come to realize is that we all did it very differently. Some of us worked full-time, some part-time, some part-time and, and, and then went back to work, all kinds of combinations. We had households that were very strict and the kids were allowed, others that weren't, and we found out in the, at the sort of, you know, at least now that they're in their 20s, that all of them did pretty well coming from various kinds of households and mothering and even fathering, but particularly mothering, so that there isn't just one way to do it. We get hooked into that, I think. 
I think that's definitely true. I mean, I feel like one of the things we lose sight of is that children are resilient. And, I mean, we're not talking here about women who abuse their children, right? I mean, the women, I go to, I'll do a signing, and, you know, every woman in line will say to me, as it's the same joke, hey, did you write that book about me? And the thing is, you know, we all, the people who spend so much time beating ourselves up about being bad mothers, we're not the ones abusing our kids. And we kind of lose sight of the fact that kids are resilient, and you can make mistakes. You can make a lot of mistakes. Mostly you're going to make mistakes, but they're going to be fine. And I often, like, wonder, you know, what, what's going to happen to the children who grow up and they grow up feeling like their, their mother's happiness, their mother's sense of self-worth depends on their success and, you know, what happens with them. I think that's a lot of, that's a big burden on narrow little shoulders. And I think, you know, one of the most important gifts you can give your kids is to say, you know, I love you, I'm, I, I want you to be happy, and, you know, look at me, I'm a good model for you, I'm happy too. Yeah, that's really difficult. I say, particularly, I think in this society, uh, and that's a good point because once your kids start getting into high school, and you know, we live in this very competitive, whether we like it or not, uh, culture. And boy, stepping away from your kids and letting them sort of be the people that they want to be, and not get right. into pushing them. And I think you talk about that in the book too. You right, know, absolutely. competition. It's that's one of the most difficult things. Or maybe I was, it was difficult for me. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I always say. I know a lot of high school kids because I, I employ this, like, you know, incredible roster of babysitters. And I always, when, when the kids start applying to colleges, they just get so freaked out and their parents are putting so much pressure on them. And I always say to them, look, in my house, there's one person who went to Harvard, me, and there's one person who went to Pitt, my husband. And guess which one of us won the Pulitzer Prize? And hint, it wasn't me. Uh-huh. You know, you can have... Your life can take you in so many different directions, and you can be happy and successful in so many different ways. But right now, we feel like you know success is defined by whether your kid got into Yale, you know. And I think that's really destructive, both for ourselves and for them. I mean, I think you have to. One of the things I write about in the book is that you know you have to be the parent, the right mother for the kid you have. You know, I mean, it, it's every child is completely different. I have two kids with learning issues, and. I mean, it took me a long time to let go of my very rigid notion of what it meant to be, you know, a good student and what it meant to be academically successful and to realize that, you know, these kids are wonderful and they're amazing in their own way. And the problem, the way we all get into trouble is when I try to impose a certain view of what that way has to be on them. I think that's a difficult, that, you know, you, I was talking about that issue actually to my youngest son. Uh, in regard to a friend of his, but, you know, when you have two and you described yourself in your own way, you know, a mom who went to Harvard, a dad who's a Pulitzer Prize winner, uh, maybe, and, and, and a child or children who struggle more with academics or it's more difficult for them, uh, that's a difficult situation to be, I think, as a parent, as you say. Absolutely. Think, Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think it's really important to be conscious of that and to, um, and to like, well, one of the things we do in, the, in that situation is, we try to model for our kids and bring into our lives lots of models of different kinds of happiness and success. And you know, people who've who've struggled with school, say, and have gone on to lead really interesting lives in, in you know alternative careers. And um, and you know, we try we try to pluck our kids out of the rat race as much as we can. And you what know, about it's I was, hard? It's hard because you. It's I mean, very it's, hard. And what about the fact that and you have four children, so. Uh, some you know you mesh maybe emotionally. Not that you love one better than the other, but one is easier for you because they're most like you or most like your husband. And so you know you've got 
that combination of balancing. I, right. It's so refreshing to hear someone say that. I can tell you, you know, that, that idea that, that you, sometimes, you, you know, there are periods of your life where you fit better, whether it's easy to be a mother to one kid or another, is terrifying to people because it makes them feel like you're saying, oh, you love one more than you, the other. But, you know, it's not, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that sometimes it's easier. You mess. Like you said, you mesh more with one. Yeah. And, it, um, and, you know, I, I just feel like if my book has any message at all to women, it's just give yourself a break. You know, don't worry so much about being a bad mother. Give yourself a break. We're going to take a break. That was, uh, this is Catherine Sox, Lauren Deller-Blake, Eilid Waldman, author of Bad Mother. We'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. We have lots more to talk about on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Is it really true that nearly half of all marriages end in divorce? Get the answers to this and other questions about relationships on Relationship Radio with Jim Duzak. The program's devoted to marriage, divorce, midlife dating, and men-women relationships in general. Jim and his guest experts will have plenty of information, insights, and advice for you, all as part of a lively and wide-ranging discussion about today's relationships. You can listen Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, for Relationship Radio with Jim Duzak on Voice America. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show, your social worker with a microphone with Lauren Deller Blake and Islet Waldman, who's author of Bad Mother. Um, if 
you're just joining us. Actually, if you want to join us, let me see where are my phone numbers here. If you want to give us a call, if you have anything to say, want to talk to us, the best call in number is 866-472-5787, 866-472-5787. But before we took the break, Isla, you were talking, where, and I, inter- I interrupted you because you said something about break and we went to break, mm-hmm. but yeah, do you remember what it was? Um, I was saying what uh, I was saying that if the book had any message, the message was that we should just give ourselves and each other a break. That we shouldn't spend so much time worrying about whether we're bad mothers or good mothers, and just accept the fact that we're both and we're neither. And that you know maybe the most important thing is just to say we do our best, and sometimes our best is just you know not bad. Yep. Isn't that such an important message? All right, Lauren, you had a question for Isla. What is it? I did have a question, but I love that point. I think that point is so critical. But I think that no matter whether we're, quote, being good or bad in the moment, we really are doing the best we can. Exactly. Yeah, so that's, a, that's such an important point, and I say that a lot, actually. Um, so where do we get – yeah, go ahead. So my question is, I'm very curious what your husband's perspective was of you saying that he was the most important person in your life, not the kids. Well, you know, it's interesting because that's the way he feels, but, of course, nobody beats him up for it. But there was, it was the, the kind of hysterical outcry in the wake of it that sort of stunned him. And I remember at one point, he's sort of lying with his head buried in the pillows, and he had just started emailing with a writer he really admired, and um, someone older than he was, and, and someone he kind of idolized his whole life. And he had just gotten an email from, in the wake of this from that man that was addressed, Dear Sex God. And he was so embarrassed. And, um, and he kind of flips over on his back and looks at me and sighs and said, Well... At least I should be grateful you didn't go on Oprah to talk about our sex life. <laughs> and then, yeah, three days later, I'm like, honey, did you mean what you said about Oprah? Because guess who's on the phone? Um, so, you know, That's I think funny. he's, he, we have a, he's a, you know, he's a, because he's a writer and I'm a writer, we have a very close working relationship. And we really, nothing goes out of the house that we haven't read and edited and thought over together. So, I mean, he, you know, he was right there when I was writing it. So what he about- feels the same way. I think... I mean, I think the way we look at our marriage and our family is that there's us, there's the two of us, there are the kids and their relationships with one another, there are relationships with the children, and then there's this thing, there's the family. And the family is this entity, you know, that needs to be nurtured and taken care of, and, and um, the only way to do that is to make sure that we prioritize our relationship, because, you know, you can be the best parent in the world, the most attentive, the most neurotically focused on details. And if your marriage is collapsing around your shoulders, you're really not doing your kids any favors at all. What about support? Uh, Like support from, I mean, we've been talking about, you know, you've gotten a barrage of criticism from other women for speaking out and saying all the things that you do. But support, like anything, I don't know if your own mother is still alive or, you know, the Happy oh yeah, you know my my mother is my my mother is my biggest fan, and I'm hers. I mean, she was she's always been incredibly supportive. But also, you know, I've gotten amazing support across the board. I mean, for every negative comment or letter that I receive, I get you know a dozen that are really really positive. I mean, I had you know priests and rabbis and ministers and pastors emailing me after that article was published, um, saying you know. Thank you for pointing out what we've been trying to tell our parishioners. You know, the Bible says cleave unto your spouse. It does not say cleave unto your children. Um, you know, I was a huge hit on Mormon radio back then. But, and also I got lots and lots and lots of mail from um, older women who'd been in relationships for 50 years and men too saying, you know, this was the secret to the success of our marriage. This is why we had a successful marriage. This is why we've been happy together. This is why we were able to model for our children 
what it means to be in a contented family because we prioritized our marriage and we never forgot. You know, there was a woman on Oprah who said to me, who was very upset with me, and she said, look, I only have my kids for 18 years. And, you know, when they're out of the house, then I'll be able to pay attention to him. He'll still be here. And I thought, wow, lady, have you never met a man? I mean, really? You really think he'll still be there? What fantasy world do you live in? Most guys I know, after being ignored for 18 years, they're going to be gone. Yeah, he'll be out of there. He won't be there after 18 years. And, and you know, you you bring up a really good point because I, I kind of look to my own parents in, in terms of that role model. I mean, my mother and father... Their life together was important. They took trips together, but then they took trips with us. We had uh-huh. we had babysitters, but at the same time, they had their uh, social life, and I could always feel this sexual energy between the two of them. Uh, and uh, so, I, maybe they lived out what you're talking about. It was, you know, it was never defined that way because I grew up in the supposedly the June Cleaver kind of situation, right. or where mothers were supposed to be that way. But uh, my mother wasn't. She was and just and had a great marriage. You know, I think like Saturday night, it used to be. Saturday night was always when, you know, mom and dad went out. That's what they did. And now, you know, there's some couples who have a regular day. But this is why I think Barack and Michelle Obama, in addition to basically, you know, doing all the wonderful things that he's going to do for the economy and for society, it's no small thing that they're modeling for the country a, a relationship that prioritizes the love between the husband and the wife. Like, you know, they went on a date night. Lucky for them, they got to go to New York and go to a Broadway show, something that, you know, we don't all necessarily get to do. But, you know, it is a really important model of how their family works because they prioritize one another. Well, you know why? Because I think it's all about maybe it's what they uh, Barack Obama said. It's transparency. They don't... Uh, they don't. They're they're really honest. I mean, they're honest about their relationship and who they are. They're not pretending. Right. They, right. Know, exactly. Um, and their daughters make their beds. Which can I just say that I have been trying ever since I read that for the first time to get my kids to make their beds reliably. The the, vo- the words Malia and Sasha make their beds are spoken in my house nearly every morning. So not much <laughs> avail. I have. I I had a huge huge discussion about that with my cousin, and she said her kids made their beds every day, and that's why they turned out to be who they are. And I said, my kids never made their bed every, at all, and that's how they turned out to be who they are. <laughs> all right, well, I've been here we're getting back in into it. I, I don't think you have to make your bed every day. Well, this is Good. funny. I don't make my bed every day, but I make it often, and my daughter's only three, so I wish she doesn't, you know, she doesn't make her bed really yet, but I think there is something about the structure of taking care of your own space. Right. I mean, I still, you know, I remember when I was a little girl, I would say, I'm never, my mother used to always make me clean my room, and I would say, I'm never going to make my kids clean my room. And how many times have I walked in and said, nobody is going anywhere until this pigsty is cleaned up. I mean, you don't know, you don't know what filth is until you have a teenage daughter. Then you really, it would be the amount of detritus that accumulates in that room. I do understand. I, cause, well, I was a teenage daughter, so I do know what you're talking about. Um, of course, you can go, go to a boy. Well, you'll have the opportunity. Yeah, maybe, maybe like in a, in a couple of years, I'll say, "What was I thinking? That was well, nothing." Yeah, a boy's dormitory. Boy. Try that, or a, a boy, a, a uh, the bathroom in the boy's dormitory, and that's all. I have three boys, so this is. Uh, I have a lot of experience in that area. But but here's a good example. Okay, making your bed. Uh, being responsible, but it doesn't have to be making the bed. It can be doing something else that's responsible, and that's still okay because we're talking about responsibility, not specifically right, right. the making of the bed. 
Right. And like, and again, you know, it's the same thing. You know, you know, it's so funny. People say to me, well, so now you've written this book, have you reached this point where you have let go of the idea of a bad mother and you don't beat yourself up anymore? Because that's what I'm trying to say. Let's stop beating ourselves up. And, um, and I say, yes, I definitely have let go of it and I don't beat myself up about 15% of the time. The other 85% of the time, I'm saying, oh my God, why can't I be more like Michelle Obama? Or, you know, why don't my children make their bed? I mean, it's still, you know, there's only... You can be the most evolved mother in the world and, you know, you're still spending far too much of your time feeling lousy about yourself. What would you say, okay, that's the bad situation, but really, like, what would you say, Isla, is the, the, the thing that you kind of look at yourself and think, oh, I, I wish I could be a better mother, or the thing that you beat yourself up about the most? Well, in all seriousness, I mean, and I really do have some serious, like, I, I have um, very mild bipolar disorder, and one of the things, the way that expresses itself is, is I can be really irritable sometimes. And that's where I feel the most guilty with it. You know, when, I, when I'm grumpy and when I lose my temper with my kids, that's really where, that's the source of, of my, my most intense guilt. And I think it's, it's a complicated emotion because I'm also feeling guilty about having this mental illness at all and because there's a strong genetic component, component of worrying about it, I'm going to pass it on to the kids. And so that's, that's, you know, but you know, in a way it's almost liberating because I have something really serious I mean, that's a serious thing to worry about, then I can kind of forgive myself the lesser errors. You know, you know, right, there's partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, and that's yeah. I packed you, but we got bigger fish to fry here. Yeah. Well, you can put things in perspective, I mean, I think is what you're saying. Exactly. Uh, you I mean, yeah. it's all about, it's a constant effort to gain perspective. Yeah. Uh, what would you say, Lauren, is yours? Um, did I beat myself up over? I'm not, I have to say, I'm not a big... I don't beat myself up, and I don't know where that comes from, but I really am not a... You probably had a really good mother. I have a really good mother, and she's, yeah. She, and I don't think she beats herself up. She always taught me to convert a challenge to a learning opportunity. So I'm a, yeah. I learn a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I'm not one to beat myself up, you know. I really and that's why not. you have the radio show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if I beat myself up. I mean, I have, I've was married for 20 years, went through a, I think went through a divorce, and, and now I've been with someone for 20 years, as long as we're sharing this. Uh, but I think that the, the fact of going through the divorce is something that I beat myself. I don't beat myself up, but that's my issue, you know. Right, and if, right. you know, if, if this wouldn't have happened, perhaps if I hadn't gotten divorced, which may or may not be the case. Right. Many times it's, it's always not. easy to blame, you know, with, when you don't know. It's always easy to sort of identify this was this was the source of the problem when you really have no idea. Yeah. And you know, everything it's always sort of the law of unintended consequences. I mean, maybe one of the reasons your kids is doing so well is because you know, you just you just can never know that. And I think I think just just giving ourselves a little slack is so important. And and each other too. I mean, you know, if you spend any time on the internet, you see the way that um, I always call it the bad mother SWAT team kind of goes into full force and, you know, lays down the law against the recalcitrant members. And it, it just seems so, it's so troubling to me the way we can, we can, you know, harp on one another's errors. And that's why I think of these bad mother du jour is so, we, as a society, we get so much out of identifying the today's horrible mother and, you know, attacking her and reading about her in every single tabloid. I think that the current of the moment is Kate Goslin. I mean, how many magazines have you read over the course of the past two weeks that identify her as sort of the, the terrible, horrible shrew, the worst mother of the world? You know, I mean, it's her fault that everything has happened. 
And maybe that, if she's the bad, we have to say we got thirty seconds left. But if we can focus on her as a bad mother, then we don't have to take a look at ourselves. Exactly. Right. Like, at least I'm and, not Kate Goslin. At least I'm not Ayala Waldman. That's right. Bad mother. Great book. Uh, you can buy it at bookstores everywhere. Islet Waldman. Thank you so much for being on the show this morning. Thanks so much, Catherine and Lauren. It was a real pleasure. It was great. Thank you. Back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for Total Career Success on Voice America. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Want to have behind-the-scenes access to some of the greatest minds of today? On Shift in Action, we feature leading-edge innovators who are building a more conscious, sustainable, and healthy culture. Host Stephen Dynan offers live shows with evolutionary leaders such as Deepak Chopra, Van Jones, and others who are creating new paradigms for conscious living. You can keep your finger on the pulse of the latest frontier work with our weekly transmission of inspired wisdom on Shift in Action, broadcast live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on VoiceAmericaVariety.com with Lauren Miller-Blake, my co-host. Um, and uh, you can hear me this week. Last week I was in a hotel room because that's part of my problem. I'm traveling all the time everywhere. I don't know if uh, I call that a problem, Catherine. It, well, it's an issue. Um, <laughs> it's a traveling issue. But and there was something wrong with the, the connection. I don't want to go into that. Anyway, we're doing fine. Anyway, great book, Bad Mother, Bad Mother, Buy It. I think she says she just says it the way we need to hear it. Islet does. Islet Waldman, and you can go online. I didn't mention that, but the, you can go online. You can listen to this interview that we just did uh, this afternoon. It's up in the archive. So if whoever, if you missed it and you want to hear it, it's you can hear it for you know this afternoon and then for always. Um, you can also listen to her on the Today Show, and you can go to her website. So. 
uh, there are a lot of um, different places that you can uh, also get an, uh, read an excerpt from her book, Bad Mother. Um, you know, and she has four kids because, you know, and she's talking about Oprah, and Oprah did defend her, but Oprah doesn't have children. I always find that interesting. I mean, you went so long, Lauren, without having kids, and you had opinions about mothering, and you're, you know, you are a, are a business coach, and and how do you think that changed for you? Like once you actually became a mother, your perspective did that change? I don't want to get too accurate. Great question. I think that is such a good question because I do think that I. I totally changed, and I just think I um, never, I always thought that women could do both, you know, have a business, be successful, and parent, but I never knew the balancing act that it really was. So I always felt like mothers um, that were my clients didn't, they, they hired me because they thought I would give them some great insight, not because of the whole fact that I was a mother as well. Obviously, I wasn't at the time, but I think that they were looking for my insight and success strategies. But now that I am a mother, I think very people hire me that are mothers because they see me doing both successfully. So I, it's changed my perspective drastically. I think I'm much more compassionate about the the challenge that it has. You know, and what are the challenges? So what didn't you put into the mix? Well, I guess I just didn't realize the capacity of the balance, what really needed to be balanced and how much that was. Because I guess I, you know, it's hard to, looking back, it's always 2020 hindsight, but it's hard to remember where I was then. But I always thought that it was more of a dual role, like the fathers took more of a part in the process, you know. I made an assumption, and mothers take do it all so much. And I, I had a father, I mean, we are divorced, but one of his, the, the things that he really did do, he was a much better father than a husband. So he, he was very much, he was a college professor, so he was very much involved with the kids. Uh, one area that I would never criticize him on is that, because he was the kind of father who would take the kids on a weekend trip by himself with the three boys or even, with, you know, the babies, maybe not getting up in the middle of the night, but then I was nursing, so that was my choice. Uh, but, but still, uh, we had our issues. Um, maybe I'm, you know, that's, so well, that wasn't exactly the issue for us, but, um, you know. So what you're saying is you had a father, you had a husband that was a father that really was involved more than most fathers. Well, more than most fathers, and I think, but becoming a parent for me, and also becoming a parent in my 30s, that there are ladies out there becoming parents in their 30s, was that I had, as a working woman, I and I had control, much more control, external control over what I did and to whom I did it to. Like well, when I had the baby, it, it amazed me that this one little eight-pound thing person could control my whole life. I mean, I can't, you know, whether it's have, you know, having colic or getting sick or have, you know, all these things that needed being doing that were out of my control. I can out of my control. I think that was my issue with being a mom. Well, it totally impacts. Like, I, um, you know, it's interesting. I generally am, when the, the dog gets sick or the kids get sick, it throws your entire day into a loop because if you're sick, you know how you're going to manage it. You know what I mean? You're either going to work to the, do the minimum, but you'll push yourself through it. But when someone else is sick or not well or needs you for or things that you didn't expect, it changes your entire world. So, because you're responsible for that thing, whatever it is. Whether it's a child, whether it's a dog, it does. It throws you for a loop. Yeah. 
and the dog is different than the child. I mean, let's face it. If you've got an important business meeting, you're going to do something with the dog, or I would. I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, it's there's just it's one more. I mean, I have a lot of clients that just have. I don't mean just have dogs, and you know, and I have a dog too, and it just dealt with a dog issue yes the past two days. So, um, you know, it does. It interrupts. It interrupts, and I think that um, I tend to be a business person that doesn't let much interrupt. But there's a lot of people in the world that let everything interrupt. And I think what I've learned is I have a very high standard for what interrupts my business proactive work. Um, And that's very little interrupts. But becoming a mother changed, it lowered my my ability to let things, it lowered my ability to let things interrupt. Your interruption scale changed. Exactly. And that changes your, um, that changes a lot. So I think that's the important piece is that I understand that there's, does that make sense? It makes sense, but I, you know, I hadn't thought about it this way, but, you know, when you're talking like that whole thing about being interrupted by a child, by a baby, it's not just interrupting you from doing what you think you want to do, whether it's being with your husband or going to work or whatever, but being, just doing your own schedule. Yeah. But just think about it. It interrupts all of your physical everything health as well. Everything. Because when you are up all night or half the night or your schedule is constantly being interrupted, that physically, it makes you tired. Exactly. It It, it interrupts everything. It changes everything. Yeah. You don't eat well. So all of those things, you can't exercise in the same way. There are a lot of things that get interrupted and then you can't perform as well. But I do think that there's, that's one of the strategies to success is continuing to not let the little things interrupt your um, very important rituals for business. And although they will, you have to keep that bar high so that you can continue to balance that work life. Like I find that if I get my basic three days a week of solid work focused in, everything is more balanced in my world because I'm feeling like, okay, I did the bare minimum that I wanted to accomplish and now I can focus on having quality time with my daughter you know, or family or whomever. Did you find the plan ahead thing? I found that didn't work for me because I, I, I'm good at planning ahead and compartmentalizing and doing all the things that you described. But with kids, that I couldn't have that certainty of planning ahead. And Absolutely true. And also, as your kids get older, like even Sarah's three, and she'll say to me, "I say I was thinking we would do this for dinner." Well, I don't. She says I don't want to do that. I want to have I want to have a stay home night. You know, she goes out a lot. She's out and about and sees the world. And all of a sudden, she gets burnt out of it. She wants to have a stay home day, but I don't realize that that she wants that. So we're we're now designing our days together because she's three and has an opinion. Yeah, yeah. That we've got a third person now in the family who has exactly. your opinion. Yeah, and then the more kids or the more people you add to the family, exactly. the more opinions you have, and so you have to take that into consideration. So it's always that's the other thing you never nail it because it's always changing. Mothering is always changing, changing, changing. Always. It's a, and that's the constant. It's constantly changing. Age yeah. changes things. Your lifestyle changes things. Yeah, you're right. And to get used to it, but to not let it interrupt from for the sake of business and success in business, to not let it interrupt the basics of business. And that's the importance, actually. It's, I've been talking about that a lot lately with a lot of people. Yeah. I call it your W, um, your work, 
your business weekly rituals and your business weekly rituals, we just named it the other day, our business weekly rituals have to be consistent and you can't let things interrupt them. Now, this week, I let my world get turned upside down and let it get interrupted. Is that going to get me ahead in my business? Absolutely not. I'm not now we've gone full circle and we have to say goodbye. We've gone <laughs> right back to you. your life is a mess and you can't do anything about it. This is how we have to end the show. Okay, great. Lauren Bell, her Blake, Catherine Zox. Well, uh, we hope our, our listeners have a great week. Anyway, we had a good time today. So, uh, you're, I'm your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to us on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. We'll see you next Wednesday. Have a great week, Catherine. You too. hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox.